0: back to What's Your Bliss, part of the Anything But Credible Network. My name is Thomas Ragland. I'm so delighted to be coming back to you another week. This week's guest is a professional certified life and grief coach, Nesreen Ahmed. Nesreen, welcome, and What's Your Bliss?
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here today. Um, my bliss is being an entrepreneur, and, and more than that, my bliss is um, feeling like I'm living into my purpose
0: living into purpose. I think that's something that is hopefully, I think a shared bliss for a lot of folks, but, uh, we're very interested to see how you have done that. Tell us about your personal history with kind of becoming an entrepreneur and how that journey and that journey to really find yourself became a bliss for you.
1: Wow. That's a rich question. Okay. Um, where to start? So, okay, so really my story starts um, with a bit of tragedy. Uh, my sister passed away at the end of 2013 and that was like, oh, okay, how do I, how do I find my feet on the ground yeah. at this point? Because um, my whole world turned upside down. And it took a long time for me to make the connection from losing her to um, becoming a coach. Um, it took a, a number of years actually um but what i realized was and and i think a lot of people go through this when we go through loss or when we go through you know major changes divorce and and moving and stuff like that where it's like oh wow like let's take a minute and and you know really look at our lives you know take stock of what we're doing are we on the right path are we doing what we what we care about are we with the people that we want to be with are we the people that we want to be right or am i the person that i want to be and um I really, you know, as I was processing my grief, I, I really started to ask myself those questions. And it, be, it became, some things became very clear very quickly. Like I knew exactly where I wanted to live or where I didn't want to live. So I was like, let me let me move. Let me, you know, make that change real quick. Um, but some things like, you know, what do I want to do with my career? It was clear that I, I I didn't want to continue in the path that I had been on, but what was next was was the adventure. What was next was the question mark, right? And, um, and I, I'm really lucky that I was, um, able to have some people help me and, you know, kind of work through that a little bit. And ultimately the, the, the short story is that I ended up hiring a, a life coach to kind of help me figure out what I wanted to do. And within the first session, I was like, stop, <laughs> I felt, I figured it out. I want to do this. I want to be yeah. a coach. How do I make this happen? And through the journey of getting trained, um, as a life and business coach, I found out about grief coaching, worked with a grief coach. Then I was like, oh, like kind of that sinking feeling of a little bit of dread, I'm not going to lie, and a lot of um, curiosity. But I was like this grief coaching in particular, that's that to me is what I feel like I'm here to do, what I'm here to help with. And, um and it was such an, a transformational and, and empowering process for me that I wanted other people to understand it exists. I wanted other people to have that, you know, same transformation and empowerment. And so, um, yeah, that, that I, I got trained and I I never looked back.
0: It's amazing how often, and I speak with a lot of people about this, but this, a lot of times, our bliss does come from. That loss or that trauma or that grief. And I, I find that really fascinating, but it also makes a lot of sense, right? We, we're finding ways to, to work through, to deal with, to uh, excel through, and oftentimes it comes through. I'm wondering just from your own personal journey, how becoming a coach yourself helped you manage the grief that you had been through? That's a
1: great question. I mean, certainly, even now, I feel like I'm I'm healing as I do the work that I do. You know, um, it's been what seven plus years, right? And right. I still feel like I'm I'm evolving and growing as a person, and my relationship with my sister actually continues to evolve and grow. And um, yeah, I, I I definitely think that there's been a lot of healing and a lot of um, opportunities for me to learn and look within as I continue to work with people. And um, actually, just today. Um, I drafted an email to um, offer free coaching sessions. So my sister's birthday was on June 10th and it was the very first time since she passed away that I, I wasn't filled with sort of anxiety and overwhelm and a lot wow. of emotion. I was actually just like, I'm having a good day. Holy yeah. holy crap. I'm having a good day. Like that makes me want to cry right now. And it, it fills me with a lot of gratitude. And so I was like, I want to just, you know, offer up some sessions and some, some um, opportunities for other people to, to start to get to that place, right, to start to heal in their own journey. And so um, even now, I feel like I'm still learning and growing. And and um, it, it feels like the work that I do continues to heal me as it as it helps heal
0: other people. Sure, absolutely. And I think that that makes a lot of sense, especially in this area. Absolutely. One of the pieces that I wanted to just touch on. And I recognize that it's, it is a journey. The whole thing is a journey, but how do you feel like you've kind of perfected that piece of finding your life's purpose and living through that purpose?
1: I'm not sure that I have yet. Sure. Yeah. That's okay. I, mean, I, I do. Like you said, it's a journey, right? So at this point, I, I know uh, I feel very confident in what I do and the work that I offer, the value that it brings. And and so I, I, I will say, like, I feel like I've moved beyond the imposter syndrome yeah. that kind of lived within me for the first couple of years, especially, um, you know, being an entrepreneur, um, it, it requires so much in terms of just like, not knowing and still taking action, not knowing and still moving forward in some way. And I spent a lot of time kind of in a, in in imposter syndrome and not moving forward as quickly as I could have. Right, yeah. I was kind of like, oh, I'm not quite sure if I'm doing the right thing. This really valuable. Um, and now it's like, no, no, like I'm I'm ready to to be of service. I'm ready to take action. I'm ready to to be more decisive and um, more proactive about um, scaling my business and also um, being of service. Like paying forward you know the gifts that I've get I, I've received and I've gotten so um I feel like in some ways I'm still in the very beginning stages of really like uh, creating and and living into the vision that I have for my business and for for the work that I want to be doing. Um, but in many ways I see how much growth I've had, how much progress I've made you know and and even just being able to say I'm not in imposter syndrome anymore is you know, a huge win. I I know so many people, coaches in particular, but so many people, so many entrepreneurs that are still in that space years, you know, years into their business.
0: Right. Sticking with the imposter syndrome for just a second, I'm curious if there was something in particular that made you feel that way? Was was there something that internally, externally, that really spoke to that imposter syndrome or like a very specific piece of, of coaching that led to that
1: um well i think i mean partially i felt i think i felt like i was questioning myself a lot because you know this particular method of healing helped me but will it help others you know what i mean and like just because it helped me doesn't mean that it's going to help others you know there's a lot of questioning and also just questioning you know i think we all in some ways are like am i valuable am i offering something worthy you know is this really um is, am I worthy, right? Um, and I think the, well, I know the, the point for me where everything started to change was, um, was actually threefold. There were like three consecutive uh, uh, circumstances or, or situations that happened all in a row. <laughs> so first um, I had a child. <laughs> I had my daughter um, a little over year uh, what, three, four months ago, a, little, a year and a three, four months. Wow. Um, and becoming a mother, I was just like, oh, well, like now I, I you know, now my business needs to be where I, I need it to be, right? Now now I want to really live into um, not just being of service for other people, but being of service for my daughter and myself and like, you know, providing um, providing the kind of life of, and being the person that I want to be modeling for her, what it looks like to be successful by being of service or, or what it looks like to be successful because I'm living as you know uh, as I really see fit right. um, and then the pan- pandemic hit <laughs> and it was like oh wow look at the need like look at how many people are desperate right for anything that could provide support anything that could provide relief right now and that really spurred this need to Share with people, you know, what I have or what I've learned, and and you know the the different kinds of coaching that I've uh, experienced and been trained in to bring something new that's not really being talked about yet in the world of grief. Um, and so it just became like this call forth of like I really need to do this, you know. I it's not fair for me to just sit on this. Mm. Um, and then I also got a credential. I got my um, professional certified coach credential through the International Coach Federation. And I'd been working for that, uh, working towards that for a while yeah. and to receive that right after I had my, like I submitted my application right before I had my baby. So like yeah. working on that the last three, or, like really intensely working on it the last three or four months of my pregnancy, you know, as I'm exhausted and like, yeah. you know, building a, or growing a human, I'm also like really actively working towards something that that meant a lot to me. And so to get that right after my my daughter was born, right after COVID, it was sort of like the trifecta of like. Oh, like, you know, these people have, have heard hundreds and thousands of coaches, you know, they've recorded, they've listened to recorded calls that are specifically submitted for certification. They listened to my calls and they, they said that I'm, you know, coaching at a certain level. And that to me was sort of the external validation that I needed, you know, it was like the next level of like, Oh, look, like there is value and, 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 and I'm being, um, you know, rated, so to speak, by people who are who don't know anything about me, who don't know who I am, right? It's all anonymous, but they can really see the value of the work that I do. And I was like, that those three things combined, I was like, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, you know what I mean? Like, I'm committing to being an entrepreneur, I'm committing to putting aside my imposter syndrome and all the fear and, you know, the stories that I've been telling myself. And it's just time, it's just time, you know. So I think <laughs> it, those three big things, you know, happen right around the same time within a few months of each other. And I was like, that's it. That's 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 what I needed.
0: Yeah. It's like validation dominoes, which is great. Right. Yeah. Totally. Um,
1: Like there was nothing that could get, you know, nothing that imposter syndrome could say (laughs) that would have those three things, you know, be invalidated or be,
0: be uh, disregarded. Absolutely. I want to come back to the pandemic because I'm really curious about that. Um, And obviously we're still kind of coming out of that right now. Um, but it's, um, as much as I love these podcasts to be evergreen, I think it's important for us to also talk about what's going on. Um, but before I do, I just wanted uh, to talk about some times where maybe the journey, uh, this journey specifically for you had not been blissful um, and what you'd kind of learned from those moments.
1: Oh my God, We how long do you have? Like we could spend <laughs> hours, hours, right. talking about the lack of bliss. Sure. Um, yeah, no, I mean, especially the first few years there was a lot of struggling and a lot of not making a lot of money and a lot of like, you know, trying having a, a, a discovery call with somebody and they were like this was great. Hi. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like just not interested in in um working with me for whatever reason. And um I think that you know the the biggest things were trying to I think it was just trying to be someone maybe that I wasn't, you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I spent a little bit of time, especially in the beginning, really not focusing on grief coaching and just sort of being very general as a life coach. And, um, and then was just, you know, fear and a little bit of like, Oh, I don't know if grief coaching is all that I want to be doing right now. Um, and yeah, just, you know, the, the idea that I needed to keep learning, I wasn't good enough yet, you know, as a coach. Um, so a lot of self-doubt, a lot of questioning, um, definitely a few, more than a few um, frustrating moments, you know, where I, I had a great session with somebody and I thought they were going to hire me and they didn't, or they did, but then they decided later they didn't, you know, they, they weren't going to continue or they weren't going to work with me. So there's a lot of like ups and downs in terms of like getting clients and, um, and what that meant right? Like if I had enough clients, then I was a good coach, right? And if I didn't have any clients, I'm clearly an awful coach, you know? And, um, and it took a while again to kind of break out of that and recognize that it has really very little to do with me. But, um, but in the beginning stages, you know, there was, a, there was definitely a lot of, a lot more questioning and a lot less bliss. Sure. Um, but I will say, I think the one thing that kept me going was really like knowing that I, I wasn't going back you know what I mean? Like now that I had had a taste of what entrepreneurship looked like and that I could, you know, set my own schedule and I could, and I, I worked virtually so I could work anywhere. You know what I mean? Like I had the opportunity to travel more. I was, I was hooked. You know what I mean? Like I had spent so many years in my previous career feeling like I was stuck in New York. Right. Cause I used to work on Broadway. I used to work backstage as a costumer and, um, where else am I going to work, you know, but New York right? and, um, so I felt kind of landlocked and I felt really like trapped in a lot of ways, you know, and the schedule and the the monotony of the work, there were a lot of things about it that didn't really fit after a while. And so being an entrepreneur, I was like, this is the lifestyle that I really want. I don't know how to make it work, but I know this is what I want, you know, and that that kind of poor belief of knowing that I was on a path that was gonna lead to something, even if it hadn't yet, um, was really kind of what kept me going.
0: Absolutely, I'm I'm struck also by kind of the, the similarities between both kind of the beginning of your coaching and then also this feeling of needing to, do something different in general from what you were doing. And and by that I mean, what I what I heard and what you were saying and what I kind of took away was. A lot of this journey is about has been about finding that authenticity to who you are and what you what you need to be doing. Does that Does that sound like I'm on the right track?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Thanks for saying that. I would not have thought of it that way, but yeah, no, I, um, yeah, I. It took a while to find my voice, and I feel I, to be honest, I feel like I'm still. Um, I now I know what I want to say. Now I'm like figuring out how to say it right and kind of tweaking it, but um yeah i think there was a lot in the beginning of just like I'm just going to try this out i'm going to like go with it you know and and hope yeah. fingers crossed <laughs> you know <laughs> that i'll get i get somewhere right. um, and i i i will say you know for all the things i'm talking about uh i had a lot of encouragement i had a lot of support I had a lot of people on my side um uh, both you know as clients and and um and people other coaches and friends and family and stuff like that so i'm lucky in that respect that i also had people that were like keep going if you got right. this, you know? Um, and I recognize not everybody has that.
0: Sure. Well, tell us a little more about what that support system looked like. And then also just what the role of being an individual and being a part of a community, how both of those things have kind of played out for you on, uh, on this path.
1: Sure. Sure. So, yeah, so I think the, the first, um, Line of support, I suppose, was actually like the people that I was getting trained with. So mm-hmm. the the life and business training that I went through—it's a year-long program—and there's a lot of interaction. There's a lot of you know peer coaching and questioning and and learning and going through the materials and all the tools and everything together. And so what really had me going in the in the beginning was just that interaction and and um, the friendships I was creating with my fellow. Um, trainees my fellow participants um and that continued on for years and in fact I'm still really close with many of them even if we don't talk as often as we used to um there's still that sort of love and and appreciation and like watching them grow in their businesses as well has been really great um but yeah I I would say that was sort of the first step it was just sort of like learning how to be a coach with other people who are learning how to be a coach and like the, the the um being honest about the imposter syndrome and, you know, like learning how to, how to coach them, stuff like that. Um, And then it became about my family, um, you know, uh, having, um, being able to ask for support, whether it was financial or emotional, um, you know, being able to ask for support when I needed it and having, uh, you know, a couple people on my side who were just like, listen, like, we get that this is a hard road. And, um, you know, especially my dad and even, you know, myself a little bit like, when I was growing up, it was like, you just had a job, you had a job and you went to work right. every day and you did that for life, right? Like that was just it, that you had a career, right? Um, yeah, there was no trying career. for
0: fulfillment, right? That wasn't, yeah. that wasn't a main goal.
1: Right, I mean, that was a yeah. perk, right? But sure. the main goal was like, yeah, make some money to support your family and, you know, um, uh, that was it, you know? And, and like, there was no like, you know, you might job hop, you might go from one company to another, but there wasn't a lot of like i think i'm i'm not living my path i'm going to go find you know what really fulfills me right like that just wasn't present and so right. to have you know especially my dad who did not have that at all in his life um encourage me you know from time to time be like look i get this is hard but you know you're on a path that's hard <laughs> that's just the way it goes you know and that was really big you know what i mean that was really big um and then from there, just, you know, um, uh, I joined a networking group and they were a huge part of my, of my support system and, and referrals and stuff like that. And just building confidence over time, you know, so I, I'm really lucky that I had a lot of different tiers of support, you know, and, and now I have a team, you know, I have people that work with me and for me um, to help me grow my vision, grow my business. They do all the marketing, they do all the, the digital stuff that I don't know how to do. Like, I'm so grateful to them for the work that they're doing. And and it also, like I realized this a few weeks ago. I had a conversation with one of my team members where I realized I was so lonely as a solopreneur, as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. building my business by myself and to have people who really believed in me and my vision, and what I want to offer and and believe that, that can be that that can be of value, you know what I mean? And that the vision that I have could be, you know, it's huge. I'm like, you know like it makes me want to cry you know just think about it because again for so long it was just me pushing right. pushing pushing to try to make this happen and so now to have people on my team i'm like oh like you guys are my family right now you are my team right now like you are you are more than just you know a, a, an employee or whatever like you are like part of this from the ground up and i hope that you'll stay until we're you know we've we've excelled at all the the you know big goals that I have. Um, so yeah, so it's been it's been really um heartwarming and encouraging to have other people working on my vision.
0: Yeah. And that whole kind of family and chosen family, right? And <laughs> to to kind of both come in and combined and and all have that support for you and to want to help you see your vision through um you know I been talking a lot on this podcast, I feel like recently about like, just that need for community, and that need for people to just have your back. And um, especially in a world that we are coming out of where we were isolated for so long, so many of us, um, that brought a lot of pain and grief, I'm imagining. So to switch back, as I I said, I wanted to do, I'm curious, Uh, I imagine, for lack of a better term, and it feels a little uh, terrible to say this, but I imagine business was booming um, when the pandemic hit.
1: Well, to be honest, I um, was just starting to get out there. Sure. Most people didn't know about me, and when when I tell people I'm a grief coach, they often um, they often assume and mistake that I'm actually a grief counselor. Um, so, uh, so much of the work that I did um, when I was networking and building my business was just educating people on the differences, sure. and that's proving to be true even now. You know, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of education of like how coaching fits into the world of grief and how it can help people when they're ready. Right. At a certain point, but they might need a counselor first. They might need a therapist first. They might need support groups first. There's a lot of other things that come before me, so to speak um, for most people. And so um, yeah, there's a lot of like education and also like I'm only working two days a week right now. I mean, partially, Um, that's because my husband and his schedule and our baby, but that's also partially because I want to be present for my baby. I want to be, you know, home and, Mm -hmm. and she's, what almost 15 months um, right. and she's in this such amazing growth and and change and discovery every day and it's such a joy to be with her it's exhausting and it's worth <laughs> <laughs> but it's yes. such a joy you know and i i really don't want to miss out on that and so i'm i'm really focusing more on on groups and um you know events things that i can do where i can reach more people at once rather than doing the one-on-one coaching um again as a way to really serve as many people as possible and, right. and um, to still have the, the flexibility to be with my baby.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was going to ask, but you know, it's it's a it's a bit odd, I think, to ask because you don't know any different. But becoming a new mother at basically the beginning of the pandemic, <laughs> I mean, in terms of again, like just finding that support network or or just kind of trying to figure out how to navigate that. I mean, what what do you feel were you know some pieces that I don't know that maybe you you didn't anticipate.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. Holy wow. Like all of it. <laughs> Ever sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah your that's fair. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, like literally. So I live in New York City. My daughter was born the day they shut down New York City. You know what I mean? So we went to the hospital and everything was like kind of okay. What's going on? There's something a little weird. We came out and like the streets were empty. Right. It was like there was nobody around and you couldn't leave your house. And my husband was like you know, putting on gloves and the mask and the like footy things to like go to the <laughs> pharmacy and come back, yeah. you know, it was crazy. And and every day we were just like in the apartment together being like, what is happening, you know? Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, in some ways I feel so grateful because my husband would have had literally maybe a week, two weeks max to be with me and the baby. And right. and instead we literally spent the entire, almost almost full, full year, first full year, of wow. her life together, you know I mean? Like, what a gift, you know? Yeah. Um, and we got to travel. We actually ended up going overseas uh, to be with my husband's family. And so I had a lot of support from my in-laws and I mean, there were definitely some like ups and downs, you know, in terms sure. of like what they think they, you know, they should do with my, hang on one second. Sorry, my husband's calling. Um, yeah, a lot of ups and downs in terms of what they, th- think they should be doing my baby a lot of ups and downs about what I think um but speaking of community I mean like I was I was surrounded you know I had so much support and so I feel like I, I missed out on a lot of the like lonely mom first time mom sure. at home by herself type things um which was a blessing so yeah but certainly you know I I mean there were a lot of other things that that didn't quite go as planned you know like the Um, yeah, I mean, there were, there were a lot of things that I I wasn't able to do because of the pandemic, the the mommy and me classes, the like first time mom groups, the, you know, um, uh, not to say this to the whole world, but like, you know, the, the lactation consultant, the nursing, you know, like getting all the kinds of support the, um, the physical support after having a baby. So there were a lot of different things that were like off the table, you know? Um, And we may do, you know, I joined like a, a, you know, a WhatsApp group for new moms in my area, stuff like that. But it definitely wasn't the same as like, you know, having that full experience. So, so, you know, I mean, in some ways it was very positive in some ways, not so much, but you know, it it is what it is ultimately. And it's been going the way it goes. I, I will say the biggest thing I'm, I'm concerned about now is just making sure that my daughter has, um, access to social groups and and oh, you know more yes. kids and stuff like that because yes. when people talk about like the quarantine baby i'm like yeah that's yeah. that's us right now like she's not had i mean we had um family overseas but they didn't have a lot of younger yeah. baby you know um so she hasn't really been around that many kids and and i really want her to like have that experience but i'm still a little scared of daycare I'm like <laughs>
0: I don't blame you.
1: <laughs> yeah, not, I, haven't, I haven't quite like gotten there even like without COVID, I think I'd be feeling this way, but with COVID, right. it's just like, so right. we'll see, we'll see one step at a time. But I think that's probably the biggest thing right now in terms of COVID and having a baby. It's just like, how do I make sure that she, you know, gets socialized and grows into this full rich adult that she can be.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I really resonate with that. My, um, I have uh, twin toddlers and, they were 15 months basically when things shut down and they were kind of on that cusp of like having played they, they'd had some play days but not a ton and and those types of things and so we, yeah. And then they just completely didn't get any of that right for a full year. Um, and my wife got pregnant, uh, basically at the start of the pandemic. And so, um, now we have a seven month old also, now he gets a little more of that, right. Because things have opened up and he's, so he gets a little more kind of the normalcy right now, but really kind of similar to what they had. But, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a process as they're about to turn three of like, Hey, they, we, we never did daycare partially. That's because we, we have, Childcare setup and things like that but mm-hmm. we yeah we we worry about that too and we, you know luckily they had each other but it's like that's it that's all they have and so they don't really recognize that other children exist like we were at the library <laughs> the other day and my son just like ran a little girl over because he's just so excited i'm like other people exist and <laughs> we have to recognize that mm-hmm. um but i do wow. i do totally get the like a the hesitation and be like this Well, how do we start to do some of that and how do we, and and I hate saying back to normal because I think we're in an evolution of, we had pre-pandemic, we had pandemic and we're post-pandemic and post-pandemic isn't exactly what pre-pandemic was. So it is an evolution, but yeah, how do we, how do we even move forward from here?
1: Mm-hmm. how do we navigate all of this for sure exactly. for sure it, it's a step-by-step process and it's individual for everybody like first of all congratulations oh my gosh <laughs>
0: thank you,
1: twins and then a baby boy um yes. how great um but yeah intense and and you know my heart goes out to you and your wife i don't know how it went when she was pregnant but i i know like right after um right after i had my girl um, I was hearing all these stories, um, about moms who are, you know, women who are pregnant who are going in, having, having to give birth alone, they couldn't bring anybody yeah. into the hospital, you know, and that kind of fear and, um, and, and, uh, circumstance took over. And so it was just, you know, oh, just awful. So, you know, <laughs> kudos to both of you for going through all of that. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's, it's it's a step-by-step process that we all have to kind of figure out depending on where you are, where your kids are, what's going on, you know, if you have childcare or not, like so many different factors, but I know, uh, I, I'm sure we'd all, you know, in, in some way feel like, okay, we want to make sure we have these things for our kids, but now it's just that added layer of concern and, and um, difficulty, you know, making sure that they
0: get it. Yeah, Absolutely. And yeah, in terms of uh, the hospital situation, I mean, I could be in there, which was nice. It wasn't the full lockdown that it was before, but it was completely different from when we had the twins and everybody was at the hospital and getting to see them and getting to see them maskless. I mean, that didn't happen for, you know, our son until he was maybe six months old. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, Switching back to just kind of entrepreneurship, um, you know, one of the things that I try to do here on What's Your Bliss is also look at some societal history and context. And when we're talking about entrepreneurship, um, you know, one of the things that I saw in my research was kind of I, I was curious where that began and and began kind of in the lexicon of what we use. And the, one of the things I saw was uh, Richard Cantillon, a Frenchman in the 17th and 18th centuries, um, is kind of the father of the uh, study of entrepreneurship. He talked about entrepreneurs being risk takers. And I, I'm I wonder if you could speak specifically to kind of the risk taking that that really had to take place for this path to start for you.
1: Oh my God. It, even now it feels like huge risks. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like so many risks. Look I like again I was used to being an ent- uh, sorry an employee. I was used to being an employee. I used used to like just getting going to work, getting paid, you know, getting hired, going to work, getting paid. Like that was it, you know and right. And um, I mean, I probably was a little bit um, more an advantage, I guess, because I was sort of a gig worker, like I would work from production to production. And so I had experienced um, often I experienced, you know, unemployment while my one show closed, you know, and I was looking for my next project, something like that. So in some ways, the, the career that I was in involved a lot of risk anyway. Uh, but this felt like a different kind of risk, I mean, partially because, yes, I didn't know how to get clients, yes, I was in imposter syndrome and you know questioning my own coaching and and um you know what i would would be able to succeed in, but also partially because it felt so important, you know what I mean, like I said, like I had that that um within me that that thing, you know, I don't even know how what to call it, but just like this, like, I can't go back. There's no going back. Like we're gonna see this through. And and um that felt like a risk. Like trusting in that felt like a risk, you know, like it was, it was um not clear in the right. beginning why or what. It was just like just take this path. And so um it was a, a definite risk just to trust myself, you know, and right. trust that feeling and, and that knowing. Um, and then, yeah, you know, there's a lot of financial risk. Like I, I probably, um, looking back now, I, I would have done a lot of things differently. You know mm-hmm. I mean? In terms of my finances and in terms of like setting myself up um, to be a, a business. Um, but I, again, was kind of just winging it in the beginning, right. especially, especially in the very beginning. And so there wasn't a lot of like... Um, business plans, there weren't a lot of, you know, like, here's exactly what I need and how much money I need. And here is this going to be profitable and kind of checking the market and all that kind of stuff. It was just like, just go, just do it, just jump, you know? And so um, I probably took some risks that maybe not everybody else would. um, And wisely, you know, wisely so. Um, But yeah, you know, I I think there's a lot of risk in, in taking that step, trusting yourself, knowing that, you know, what you offer is is valuable and is, you know, desired mm-hmm. out in yeah. the world. Um, and, and being willing, like I worked for so long backstage. Like I was, I used to wear black, you know because I had to for a living, right? To be hidden and that felt so comfortable that felt so good that was like my role i was the support role for the actors and and you know the stars right and so for me to step out and not not wear black right not be in the shadows not be behind the scenes but be willing to be center stage in my business um that also felt like a risk right to be seen mm. to be heard and to be seen talking about things that are really hard to talk about right? right we don't we don't generally talk about brief and openly and and it's such a sensitive subject that any little thing might be perceived as as the wrong thing or an insult you know and so to be willing to have these conversations um, asking for grace you know and asking for a little bit of, of room to mess up um, and still you know and still say what I, I need to say um, that sometimes feels like a risk, you know, just sure. to even be in front of a client and say, hear you. And, you know, doesn't have to be this way or how else can we think about this? Or don't forget your mind is telling you stories that aren't necessarily true. You know, To start questioning some of how they're feeling um, and having them see things differently can be a risk in and of itself.
0: Absolutely. I'm struck by what you said around, we don't talk about it. And I'm wondering if other than, and maybe that's just the key is that people, it, it feels so, so sensitive, but I'm curious from your perspective, why don't we talk about grief more? It's something we all go through. It's something we all experience. Why don't we talk about it? And are there ways that we can normalize it in our society?
1: I'll answer the second question first. Cause I think we are, <laughs> sure. do you know what I mean? I think we are like, I've seen so many more, you know, uh, profiles on instagram so many more podcasts about grief so many more things so many articles things out in the world talking about this global grief that we're going through you know this this worldwide grief that we're all experiencing so in a way i think it's becoming more normal because of what we're experiencing you know i mean just just by by sheer by sheer virtue of what we're experiencing um and there are certainly more ways that we can normalize it you know what i mean like i think um I think in a lot of ways we don't talk about it because like you said, we feel so raw and we feel mm-hmm. so vulnerable. And, you know, if we can learn to just listen to people when they're grieving, not try to give them a solution, right. Not try to yeah. fix them or make them feel better, change how they're feeling, but just be with them. Just listen to them. Just, you know, let them cry on your shoulder. You know, I, some of my, my, um fondest or, or most heartfelt memories are of, people I was with when I first lost my sister who, you know, I was living out in San Francisco at that time and and they would just take me to the beach and they knew that I wasn't okay, but I needed to get out. And they were just with me for the day. We just went to the beach and walked and watched my dog play in the sand and the water. And I cried a little bit, or I didn't talk for a while or I, you know, whatever it was. Right. right. And they let that be okay. You know, they were just with me and, and um, what a gift, <laughs> you know, like, so often in our lives we we think we have to solve the problem for the other person. Like we're always listening for like, oh, what can I do to help them? What can I do to fix that thing that, that's mm-hmm. bothering them? And in grief, there's nothing to fix, right? There's nothing that you can say or do that's gonna, you know, eliminate or, or reduce how they're feeling. And so just being with them and holding space and and providing that that safe space to for whatever comes up, you know, I think is incredibly valuable. Um so that's definitely one way that I think we can support each other more. It's just remembering that we can't necessarily do anything right. to, to fix what's going on for them. But, but being with them is, um, is uh, a huge gift, really sure. huge. Um, yeah, and, and I think you know, being, being vulnerable and willing enough to say how you're feeling, even when you're not okay, is another thing that we that we can normalize because so many of us are like, no, 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 I'm okay, I'm okay. Like we 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 don't actually talk about how we're doing, we just say what we think the other person wants to hear so that we can end the conversation or we can move on or you know what I mean, like we can get to the to the real topic right. or whatever it is. And um, you know, I I often talk to my clients about being very honest and just being like, I'm not okay today, I'm just not. You know what I mean, like, or or I'm really sad today. You know. Mm-hmm. and, um, not having a lot of expectation for anybody to say anything or fix it or do anything like that, you know? Um, but just being willing to say, yeah, no, this is, this is awful. This is hard. This right. is heartbreaking. You know, I, I don't know, even know what to do. I don't know where to stand. I don't know how to get up, you know, whatever it is, whatever they're feeling, just to actually say it out loud, I think is another way to start to normalize. Yeah. Like it's a process. It's a journey. It takes as long as it takes. And And there's no need to pretend no, I'm good, I'm good, right? Like putting up that facade actually in some ways can really distance us from from other people and distance us from the kind of support that we need. Like actually um, one of the things that really um, encouraged me when I first started going to like different networking events and talking to people about being a grief coach, I had a lot of people who would, within just a few minutes of, of, you know, meeting me, start to share their story of loss. You know, I mean, like I had a father talking about how he and his wife lost their son. You know, I had somebody else tell me about um, his experience with his mother and dementia.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I had somebody else talk about um, his wife and a stillborn, you know, like stillbirth. And so like oh. these stories, you know, that I was just like, wow, like it's so clear that people wanted to talk about it, mm-hmm. you know, and they just didn't have access to it or they didn't you know, they're carrying these things around in, within them, and and didn't have a way to like put it down, so to speak. You know, or put it out there to kind of get a little bit of relief. And so that was something else that that really kind of struck me is, is you know, a way to um, a way to help people, a way to support people is just actually like being willing to listen, right, and, and recognize right. this person in front of you is rich and and has had such a variety of experience and uh, they're complex beings, right? They can be so happy and have a great life and still have gone through some incredibly challenging things.
0: Right. Absolutely. And it sounds like you and and kind of your approach is, like you said, it, it's not counseling, but I think you're still, what you're talking about is, is really that trauma-informed approach. And you have to do that within grief. Grief is trauma, right? And so trying to work through that, and i imagine there's there's guilt probably that comes up i know there is uh, for me sometimes where especially when it comes to like you you had mentioned at the at the very start of this that you had a really good day on um you know your sister's birthday and i also imagine that there may be even if there wasn't there there, there could have been some guilt around that like hey i'm not mourning properly or whatever grieving properly um so i imagine that that guilt sometimes plays plays a role in how you have to go around uh, kind of the, the, the actual coaching through the grief.
1: hundred percent. I mean, really, truly the, the, my intention as a coach is always to help people put down their guilt. You know what I mean? And yeah. work through their guilt and, and to differentiate between guilt and regret and what, what mm. the differences are and how mm. that might alleviate, you know, but also, you know, like, uh, as a a side note or as a a quick example. So my sister and I had, um, you know, some some difficult times in our relationships. We went through a a couple of stretches where we didn't really talk very much. And Mm -hmm. after she died, I spent a lot of time beating myself up about how I should have done more or I could have been a better sister and I wasn't, you know, more proactive about reaching out to her. But the truth was, and it took me a long time to get to this place, but the truth was, that's not true. Like those aren't facts, Mm -hmm. right? Those thoughts in my head that were telling me all these things that were really causing me a lot of suffering and a lot of like, um, a lot of like beat up, self beat up, a lot of like really like destructive thoughts about who I was and how I treated her Um, they weren't facts because the fact was that I was proactive at times and she didn't respond the way I wanted to. And I could have tried a hundred million other ways or new ways or more times. And she still may not have responded the way I wanted to, you know what I mean? And so I really had to get clear on like how my brain or my, that that judge, that voice inside my head, my inner critic tells me all these things about my I really had to get clear about how my inner critic tells me all these things about my relationship with my sister that aren't facts and, and really start to distinguish, okay, look, I don't have to feel guilty, mm-hmm. right? I don't have to suffer. I don't have to to spend my life beating myself up because of the things that didn't happen in our relationship the way that I wish they had, right? I still have some regret. I'm not going to lie. Sure. But I also have used that lesson in every relationship I have now. Like all my people know how much I love them. All my people feel the gratitude. All my people feel the connection and know that I'm there. I got them. You know what I mean? And that mm-hmm. to me is another way to honor her yeah. and honor, you know, the 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 wishing that my relationship with her was different.
0: Oh, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, switching again back to uh, the entrepreneurial piece. Um, and just cause this, uh, this kind of came up for me. Are there people you mentioned that you kind of just jumped into things and really like, it sounds like things kind of happened pretty fast. Like it was kind of a snowball and kind of getting things, uh, you know, to where you were at and you took some big risks and, and all of that. But as you've built your business, are there entrepreneurs that you try to emulate or mentors that have kind of shown you the road?
1: Uh, you know, actually, it's funny. I've had a couple of mentors um, through through score.org. And people don't know about it. Oh, my God, check it out. Score.org. They offer free mentors for people um, who are, you know, this, uh, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, small business owners. And these are people who've been in business for years and have great experience. Some of them, a lot of them are retired and just want to like, you know, stay active and, and help and give back. And that has been huge, you know, to have um, other people who have, even if they don't understand or or know specifically about my business and my field, they know about business, right? Mm-hmm. They know about uh, marketing. They know about you know, public relations. They know about e-commerce. They know about all these things that I don't know anything about, right? And in and fact remains, I don't really want to learn too much about because I want to focus on what I'm doing. I want to focus on my zone of genius, right? Mm-hmm. Um And so it's been great to have those mentors, um, but certainly there's, there's a couple people within the grief world that I look up to, you know, or that I, I kind of like, oh, I would love to someday kind of be in that realm or in that world of success and, and, you know, really being um, able to give people value from, from, you know, what I've learned or, or what I have to offer. Um, and then there are also just people within the coaching kind of, you know, general coaching world that I also really appreciate. Um, uh, Marie Forleo is is a big one. Um, I really appreciate her work and the way that she shows up very authentically. And she'll curse sometimes. She'll, you know, be real honest sometimes. But, you know, I think she provides a lot of value and inspiration. And she also, I feel like she came up, you know, very quickly. You know, she probably had a lot of behind the scenes stuff that we never saw. But, like, Aye. her growth felt like it was really um, big and beautiful. Um, and then there's another woman named Grace Lever, um, who she's the one that like talks about your zone of genius. Mm. And, um, I attended a couple of her events before, and I think that she also provides a lot for coaches, consultants, you know, different giving professions, so to speak, in terms of really how to scale, how to, how to market and how to be again, kind of authentic and, and honest and, um, and you know grow in ways that you may not necessarily have thought of in the beginning right but really being willing to like see a new opportunity and, and go for it you know something that you may not have been like oh that's on my plan that's on the business plan right, right. Um, but suddenly it's like there's there's this great opportunity let's let's jump into that so um, yeah there are definitely a lot of people out there that I feel like are um, inspirational in their own way and have found their way right to, to um, the The kind of life and and, um and and service that they want to offer right
0: oh that's great and i'm sure that that list will grow and like you said you also have kind of the support of people who were going through kind of a similar thing as you were trying to get going too. and yeah i mean it sounds like really just kind of building that base up and i'm sure that like i said that just kind of continues to grow if you had to give some advice to others who are looking to find their bliss, either through entrepreneurship or just finding their life's purpose, what would be some good advice for them? <laughs>
1: um, okay, this sounds. Um, uh, what's the word? Oh, hang on. What's the word? When like I'm gonna like benefit? What you know? Trying to say Like self-serving. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. That's so easy. Uh, okay. Yeah. This sounds self-serving, but uh, work with a coach. Sure. Uh, Does that have to be me? Right. But like work with a coach. Cause I think, you know, a good coach will ask you what you want and not stop at, I want the next promotion or I want the new car or mm-hmm. I need to buy that apartment. Right. They're actually going to be like, why? Right. And like really get you to what you want, you know, like to what your heart desires, what your soul yourself what your inner wisdom is is you know craving and i think that is a rich and beautiful conversation that needs to be had and most people won't have it with someone else right so they'll so get get a coach to have that conversation with and then from there you know kind of all the things you've mentioned like get the support right get get the community get people on your team on your side um you know to push you pull you (laughs) you know stand beside you everything right um and, and really like, listen to your heart, you know, mm-hmm. listen to your gut. Like there's a, there's a, I think, unfortunately, you know, our, our mind speaks so loudly, mm-hmm. you know, um, so much of the time and it speaks from fear and ego and, and all of the things that, that kind of drive us in a negative way. And if there's a way for you to connect to your inner sage and your inner wisdom and to really see, you know, that, that you have a higher purpose, whatever that, higher purpose looks like or whatever that means to you you know and it might not be your career right it might be just like you know providing counseling to you know or or or, you know sitting with people or you know um yeah dog sitting you know I mean like be anything right like but whatever it is whatever your gift is you know like give that give that to the world I think we need it and so Um, you know, find some clarity, find some support and, and, you know, find the courage within you because you have it, you have it. You just got to like, listen to it and, and let that guide you more than your inner critic.
0: Sure. And be willing to take at least that initial risk. Right. Um, because if you're not able to do that, then you may miss out.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And keep taking, or keep choosing to take risks. Like, you know, like, one of the things that kept me going was I continually chose this path, right? There's so many ways, let me just tell you, so many opportunities for me to be like, I'm out, by. you know what I mean? Like, I'm just gonna go back and, and do what I did. Um, but I, there was a continual like uh, push to choose this path, even though it was uncomfortable or even though it was not working, quote unquote, or even though I didn't see the results or even though I felt like an imposter, whatever it was, right? Like to keep choosing again and again what you see is your gift or your path, your bliss.
0: Absolutely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, Nesreen. I am really jazzed by our conversation. I would love to have you back and and just keep talking bliss with you. Um, But uh, last question here is just, what do you have to promote?
1: Oh sure. So uh, you know, I've got a couple of different things, um, but really, uh, the biggest thing I would say right now is the healing circles that I'm I'm co-leading with my my friend and coach Allison. Um, we meet every Tuesday at 5:30 Eastern Time. This is for people who've gone through a loss recently and are looking for, uh, you know, more than just a support group. They're looking for tools, they're looking for resources, they're looking for something that will really you know help them move forward in their grief. Uh, and also, if you're curious about grief coaching, but you're not sure what it is, you're not sure if you're ready for it. I do have an assessment on my website where people can answer some questions and find out if they should be seeing a therapist, a counselor or a coach. So it kind of mm-hmm. gives you an idea of where you are in your journey and who would support you most in that journey. Because, you know, the three modalities offer very different things. Yeah. And so making sure that you know you know where you are and what you need is the first step towards getting the right kind of support.
0: Awesome. And we'll make sure that all of that gets into the show notes as well so people know where exactly to find everything. But again, it's been an absolute pleasure and thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you. It's been my pleasure. This was a, a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Absolutely. And we'll see you all next time on What's Your Bliss. You can find What's Your Bliss at anythingbutcredible.com and on all major podcast platforms, including Apple spotify google and stitcher please follow on twitter and instagram at your bliss pod and like what's your bliss on facebook if you have any questions for me or if you'd like to be a guest or advertise on the podcast please email me at your bliss podcast at gmail.com please check out AnythingButCredible.com to find all the additional awesome content and podcasts including offended movie merge going off topic and of course the anything but credible podcast